Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, William Lou. This episode, along with every episode of the Raptors Over Everything Podcast, this season is sponsored by KFC. So I'm recapping the Toronto Raptors 110 to 102 loss to the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday night. Um, I don't want to make any excuses, and I want to give the Mavericks full credit. Uh, the, they play like a team, honestly. Like even slander aside, they play like a team that um, had some pride because they had just gotten swept by the Knicks. Uh, so, you know, they had a lot to play for. Obviously, the last game they played, national TV, Porzingis goes back to New York City, and they get dropped by the Knicks for the second time in like a week. So, um, this is a team that badly needed a win. This is a team that looked like a one-man team. It looked like Doncic was the only guy. Porzingis wasn't really stepping up. And so, when they finally came home, they needed to do something to uh, reverse their trend. And you know what? Credit to them. They played well. Defensively, they came up with a pretty good game plan. Um, you know, Maxi Kleba uh, circumstances really helped them in terms of the way the referees officiated this game uh, with respect to what you can get away with in terms of guarding in the post. But, uh, you know, Kleber played a pretty good game defensively against Pascal. I thought Rick Carlisle made some good adjustments, especially when the Raptors um, kind of uh, Nick Nurse actually got the best of Rick Carlisle, I think, in the first half. When he pulled out his zone, he pulled out a box and one, you know, kind of really allowed the Raptors to sort of erase uh, an early gap and actually take the lead. Um, and so full credit to the Mavericks. You know, this is not – even though the Raptors are real shorthanded, this has not been a team that has uh, has been easy to beat. The Raptors are hardly a pushover. They just beat the tra- uh, they beat the Trailblazers. They beat the Lakers. They competed with the Clippers all the way down to the fourth quarter. And honestly, this is kind of a similar game in terms of um, how the Mavericks game – went as compared to um, the Clipper game in the sense that the Raptors kind of just ran out of gas. Um, And I don't want to use that excuse twice in the span of like four days, but like, you know, this team's tired. This team's just tired. Uh, You know, I think a lot of circumstances played into this one. Um, You know, in terms of the scheduling, it's just difficult. Like the Raptors are on a five-game road trip on the West Coast. This is the last leg, and they've been shorthanded. Um, guys like Pascal Siakam, this is his fourth straight game of playing 41 or more minutes. And so when you kind of take on that kind of load, it's just difficult to get a result, especially on the last leg of that road trip. And you've been on the road. The Raptors have played one of the hardest schedules in the NBA to start the season when you factor in sort of how many road games they played uh, and the quality of opposition they played. So, you know, they've succeeded despite the odds, but it, it felt very much like the odds kind of caught up to them, but kind of similar to the Clipper game in the sense that the Raptors played defensively not bad. The Mavericks are a very, very good offensive club. Uh, they have a very dynamic, one of the most dynamic offensive players in the NBA in Luka Doncic, who really showed what he can do today. Even in a night where he wasn't shooting the ball well, he made a number of highlight plays to sort of just generate offense for um, his team. And, you know, they've got a pretty good coach uh, who sets them up to succeed. They uh, share the ball. They have a lot of players that are on the perimeter. Like, they're pretty much five out at all times. 
And so um, this is a difficult team offensively to, to corral. So the fact that the Raptors even held the Mavericks to 110 points on a night where the Raptors are real tired, I- I'm kind of impressed. Like, you know, if you told me before the game the Mavericks would shoot 42% from the field, I'd take it. Now, where the Mavericks succeeded on offense is uh, getting to the foul line. They got to the foul line for 33 free throw attempts as compared to 15 for the Raptors. I'll kind of talk about why in a bit. But obviously, when you surrender 33 free throw attempts, that's not great. And also, the Mavericks just missed a whole bunch of open threes. Like, every time Porzingis took a jumper, it was actually kind of a a huge win for the Raptors. Even though we know Porzingis is a good shooter. Uh, But, you know... For the most part, I thought the Raptors, at least defensively, gave themselves a chance to win it. And really, it was just, it came down to, you know, missed shots that were makeable. Again, if you had more energy, I think the Raptors make a lot more of these shots. Like, we've seen the way Pascal can uh, can score. Like, I, I you know, again, I, I want to give credit to Kleber, but also at the same time, I've seen Pascal... It's not like Kleber was doing something that Pascal has never seen in his life. Uh, a lot of players have gone physical with Pascal. A lot of players have sort of played him on the spin uh, and forced him more towards uh, his offhand, although he doesn't really have an offhand nowadays. Um, and I've seen nights for Pascal struggle with his jumper. Like tonight, for example, 2 of 10 from uh, three-point range. But the fact that even Pascal even took 10 threes is actually a reflection of his lack of aggressiveness, um, you know. He just looked tired. He really just looked tired. There was a number of times when he was going ISO in the post against guys like Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleber, and he was just leaving the layup short. And so many times he would spin, get open, get to a shot, and then just miss point blank. And, uh, you know, that wasn't just Pascal. Like, Norm had three missed layups right on the rim, even though Norm had a really good game. It's actually funny to think that even on a night where Norm – pretty much had his best game of the season. There are still things you look at it like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? I think I think we do sometimes are a lot harder on Norm than we are on other players. But, you know, Pascal just, he couldn't get it done. I mean, look, the man shot 6 of 24. You're not going to win a lot of Raptor games, even with a healthy roster, when Pascal shoots 6 of 24, especially when he also gives you five turnovers, four fouls. Uh, you know, if you want even more signs of fatigue for Pascal, like he had one rebound for like a lot of the game one single rebound uh meanwhile the mavericks are crashing on the glass they're not even a team that goes for that many offensive rebounds but uh you know porzingis was really hurting them um delon Wright hurt them a couple times you know i you know i miss delon I, I do miss him i really liked watching him as a raptor uh so it was very painful that delon was the guy that was actually killing them a lot in the fourth quarter uh with hustle plays like stealing the inbound or like you know i mean the raptors just look tired man like they they turned the ball over inbounding the ball under the basket, and DeLon was able to get a layup. Like, you know, uh, Pascal leaving the pass short, like one of the last plays of the game. They run uh, Pascal off a high screen, sort of very similar to the way the Raptors used to run that play for um, Kyle Lowry, or even occasionally DeMar DeRozan, where out of the timeout, they would get a screen really, really high up the floor, like half court. They inbound to the backcourt to whoever they're trying to get the, to score and have them go full speed around that screen and get a full head of steam against a backtracking defender. And they ran that for Pascal. In years past, they ran it for, for Kyle. And I think they actually ran that exact play for DeMar when, uh, when he dunked on Anthony Tolliver and ended his life, like ended his whole entire life. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, so Pascal ran that play. A, Pascal looked mad slow on that, uh, and I would never say Pascal looked slow, but tonight he really was very physically slow. And then to make matters worse, you know, he he jumped in the air and he threw this pass backwards against his momentum, and he left it like three feet short, and Doncic was able to pick it off after the foul, and that was basically the game. So, you know, Pascal was tired, Pascal was exhausted, uh, and this is where, again, the free throw disparity hurts because the way the refereeing crew decided to officiate tonight's game was that they were not going to call any fouls in the post. None. And, of course, that favors uh, the defense in this case. Uh, the favors the Mavericks a lot more because they're not a team that posts up that much. Even like Porzingis, his seven foot three ass gets into the post and takes a turnaround jumper every time. So, like, it doesn't really affect him. Meanwhile, the Raptors are definitely trying to go into the post with Pascal. That's the easiest way for him to get a shot. And normally when you got him in single coverage, as we saw in the, 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 the Portland game just before this, you know, Pascal's going to get a bucket, but today, um, it just it wasn't happening. There were no KFC buckets for Pascal today. He looked like he looked like he was tired. Um, you know, and so you know the referees were allowing guys like Kleber and Dorian Finney-Smith to basically do whatever. Like honestly, I don't know. It, you know, my my main thing with referees is like if you keep it consistent, you call it one way, then I'm kind of cool with it, right? You, it's up to you as a player to adjust. And so on that part, I I think Pascal didn't do a great job of adjusting, and you know he could have made life a lot easier for himself if he had um, mixed in a couple more jumpers. Of course, when you're tired. Um, most of your jumpers are going to be short, and uh, that's what happened tonight. I mean, the two of ten from deep. I mean, just woof, and some mid range shots mixed into that, so it was pretty bad. But I mean, like, yeah, he just wasn't. He wasn't getting to the foul call. He wasn't getting bailed out. And I would say, you know, it wasn't a game that was necessarily super dominated by free throws. But you know, on the other end, there were definitely some lighter calls that favored Doncic. Now, Doncic is not really a post up guy. He can do it if he needs to, but. For the most part, he's a pick-and-roll guy going downhill. And, you know, when he slides through those gaps and there's those bang-bang plays, like, a lot of times Dodgers is getting bailed out, whereas Pascal wasn't. But, again, that's just how the referees were calling it. You know, there were no foul calls in the post. The only one that they got was Mark Gasol got a pity call trying to post up Chris Tasperzingis, which I'm like, what are you doing, Mark? Just shoot the three-pointer. Stay on the perimeter. I don't know why they keep insisting on him posting up. It just doesn't seem to be an uh, effective part of his game anymore, and it hasn't been since he's been a Raptor. But, yeah, you know, Pascal wasn't getting bailed out. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess credit to him for not picking up a tech. Because I've seen a lot of games, for example, where, you know, in the past, DeMar Rosen wouldn't get his foul call. You know, obviously, him getting into the middle of the <laughs> middle. The mid-range area, stopping, then pump faking, leaning into a guy, throwing up a shot, being mad, yelling at the referee, not giving back on defense. There wasn't a lot of that from Pascal, so I'm happy. But at the same time, you know, the one thing you got to give DeMar credit for is he took the he took it on the chin um, as a number one guy. Uh, you know, you got you to gotta show up. You got to give what you have. And um, you kind of aren't afforded a bad night, really. And Pascal tonight was definitely very bad. Um, even defensively, he was slow. Like, the there were three or four times Pascal just had guys blow past him, line drive blow-bys, like guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, and those guys aren't even good. So, you know, um, it's just... It's understandable, too. Again, this is the fourth straight game with Pascal scoring, or averaging, like, 40 minutes. You know, he's had to carry so much of the, the load offensively, and... Yeah, it just it catches up to you. You know, I'm sure he needs. I know they had two days off to sort of recharge, but it just didn't seem like he had it tonight. 
The referees definitely didn't play to his advantage. And also, you know, credit the Mavs. Again, they played pretty damn good defense, you know. Like, you know, there's one thing to not call any foul calls. There's another thing to hold the best transition scoring team in the NBA, in the Toronto Raptors, to no transition points in the whole entire second half. Like, that's impressive. That's And that's a sign of um, the Mavericks' uh, compete level on defense. You know, like, obviously... Uh, like I mentioned earlier, they just lost twice to the Knicks, so they really need to come home and actually give a good uh, effort. And they did; they gave a great effort. So you got to give them credit. But um, Pascal wasn't wasn't delivering, and this is a lesson that he's going to have to learn. Like as a number one guy, you literally can't have off nights. You know, when he had an off night against the Blaze against the the Bucks, they lost. When he had an off night tonight against the Mavs, they lost. So it is what it is. It is what it is, especially when Serge and. Kyle aren't there to sort of carry you and sort of, um, you know, make life easier for you by extending leads or holding leads or, you know, whatever. Uh, it, it just makes it even even more tougher. And so, Pascal couldn't get it done. Um, they got a couple guys that did get it done. Um, I thought, again, like I mentioned earlier, this was Norm's best performance of the season. 26 points in 32 minutes for Norm Powell. 9 of 15 from the field. 6 of 8 from deep. That's actually a career high. Um in terms of uh, made three-pointers, also added six rebounds and assists to seal. Um, yeah, I thought Norm was great. He really played within the flow of the offense, you know, and, and you know, it, to a large extent, he kind of picked up a lot of the missed scoring for Pascal. Uh, you know, Norm, I, this is a guy who, it's almost hard to predict what he's going to do on a night-to-night basis because you never know if he's going to force his offense and sort of run into traffic or if he's going to, you know, take the shots that are there and, and sort of slowly build his rhythm by, you know, uh, taking good shots instead of trying to force everything. But, yeah, I don't know. Norm had a great game today. Like, he started out decent, um, took some open threes, hit them. Uh, you know, the Mavericks also kind of disrespected Norm in a way because they switched their guard rotation um, so that defensively they had a bigger player in Dorian Finney-Smith, who is more of like a six-seven, kind of like an Andre Roberson kind of shooting guard where he doesn't shoot but he plays defense. Uh, and he took, you know, Rick Carlisle took Dorian Finney-Smith, and he put him on uh, Fred Van Vliet. Meanwhile, uh, you know, Seth Curry was on Norman Powell, and obviously Seth Curry is not a positive defender. And so, you know, the Mavericks are already conceding that, look, Norm is less of a threat than and Fred. And so it was good on Norm that he capitalized on that. Uh, he hit some open threes, like I said, early on. He had a transition bucket, took an end to end for a layup. And so, you know, he, he was in a rhythm all night. He was taking good shots. Even the shots he was missing were good shots, I thought. Uh, just layups that he left short, you know, inexplicably normal do that. But for the most part, he's gotten a lot better with his finishing over the years. And um, he hit some big threes in the fourth quarter there to uh, give the Raptors uh, at, at least a little bit uh, of, uh, of, of a chance of, I don't know, competing and maybe stealing it at the end. Norm hit a four-point play, which was real cool. Uh, I think he missed a free throw, but still, he got fouled on the three and he made it. So, not bad. And and again, I just wish Norm could do this more often. If he did this more often, you know, there is a case for him to start. There really is. Like, there, you know, he his, his pure scoring ability, if we're just talking about, like, his ability to shoot, his ability to make uh, the in-between plays, uh, his ability to get to the basket, his transition play, the pure scoring skill is there. It's just the judgment usually isn't. And so uh, tonight the judgment was good. He made uh, and, he, and he made a good share of shots. So um, I'm really happy for Norm. Uh, hopefully he sort of extends this type of play. You know, against the Blazers he was invisible, and then tonight he has a great game. 
it's just hard to know what you're going to get on a night-to-night basis with Norm. So that's why he's sort of stuck on the bench, especially when everyone is healthy. But right now, he's in the starting lineup. And if there is a case to start Norm, which would, I would be pretty hard to see uh, Norm starting over Fred, just because I think Fred is a better player. Um, but if there is a case, he needs to show it now. And I think there are things that do help him when he's in the starting lineup. Like, I think him playing with Mark really does help. Like, your KFC bucket of the game was, you know, in a tight spot. Nick Nurse calls timeout. I think the Raptors are bleeding points. They're down like seven or eight points. You know, uh, the Mavericks are threatened to pull away. And out of the timeout, the Raptors run a classic play where they get the ball inbounded to Mark at, you know, the high post or even maybe at the three-point arc at the top of the floor to drag the, the big center uh, out of the out of the lanes because Mark obviously is a threat to shoot. And they get uh, uh, one guy curling to the basket, another guy flaring out to the three-point line. And uh, Mark delivered a great pass on Norman Powell, who was cutting inside, got a layup. And that just, you know, stopped the run uh, and gave the Raptors a bit of an advantage. Now, granted, um, the Raptors squandered that advantage on the ensuing play because Marcus Law got the rebound and threw an outlet pass right to a, a Mavericks player, and he scored. So that sucked. But uh, at least, you know, in terms of the coaching there, you're, you're, I'm, I'm pretty happy that Nick Nurse was able to dial it up out of the timeout. And I do think, generally speaking, there is a connection there between Norman Powell and Marcus All, like uh, you know, if they run that play, uh, and they run that play a lot, where a guy curls to the basket, one guy flares to the three point arc, or, while you know Marcus holding the ball and directing traffic, you know Norm's very good at cutting. Norm's very good at cutting. You know he's he's good at finishing. They don't usually put a big defender on him, and um, Mark's good at you know passing. You know that's the thing. Norm likes to shoot. Mark likes to pass. It kind of makes sense. They play more minutes together. Um, you know, the way the bench rotation is, they don't get to share that much time. And so maybe Nick should look into, you know, when Serge is back and stuff like that, maybe look into pairing Mark more with Norman because it seems like that's a better combo than uh, Norm and Serge because Serge really is creating for himself. He's not really creating for others. So it's not as natural of a pairing. But... Uh, but, yeah, you know, I'm happy for Norm. I, I, I liked his effort tonight, and he was a big reason why the Raptors were even able to compete uh, into the fourth quarter because otherwise the Raptors weren't getting a lot of half-court scoring. Um, the only guy, the other guy who was very positive tonight, Fred Van Vliet, 24 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, a steal, 8 of 18 shooting from the field, 4 of 11 from deep in 39 minutes. I'm not going to really look at the minus 22 number because it, it's really surprising to me that he was a minus 22, whereas, like, you know, Pascal is a plus 3. I don't think that's a very you know, telling number. I, I think it's just unfortunate uh, circumstances. But I thought Fred on the whole played really well. Um, you know, he made a lot of uh, great defensive plays in terms of just helping out, you know, uh, crashing the glass when needed, chipping in and offensively. I thought he showed leadership, you know, in a way where, you know, it, it, the way I kind of look at it is, you know, even with the the Kyle and DeMar teams, um, you know, you got one guy in Kyle who – is able to set the table, um, able to make momentum shifting plays, be opportunistic, and uh, you know give the Raptors the lead or you know bring the Raptors back. That was usually what Kyle did in the fourth quarter was uh, you know extend leads or make comebacks. And then usually the guy to close it out and finish the shots after the game was close was Demar Derozan. Now obviously Kyle did a lot of that as well because Kyle was a very very special player and remains a very special player. Um, but, you know, for the most part, the role usually fell to DeMar. And I thought today, for example, Fred made a number of Kyle Lowry-esque plays 
where you know he hit a pull up three, he he got this you know loose ball and he pushed in transition, made this great assist, and that that kind of stuff really allowed the Raptors to to stay close in a game where they really had no business of being in, given the way they were playing and you know in the in the fourth quarter there. But yeah, you know that's Fred, and I think it's just it's really encouraging that he looks more and more. Uh, like Kyle Lowry as the game goes on. I don't think he's as good as Kyle Lowry. I, I, I've seen this entire run by Kyle Lowry over the last like six, seven years. Uh, he's been phenomenal, and it takes a lot to get to the level. But Fred, honestly, it's like a Kyle in training, and I think that's what you want, right? Like I, if, if I had my druthers, I would want Kyle Lowry to be my point guard forever. But obviously, you know, that's not possible due to age. But if you can pass that baton off to Fred, and Fred can do a lot of things that Kyle does in terms of, you know, playing up, uh, a bigger than his size defensively, hitting uh, timely threes, being able to set up his teammates, um, being a good facilitator. You know, I think Fred has taken a lot of uh, steps. And I think today, you know, the defense, uh, the Mavericks definitely did pay attention to Fred. Like I said, they put the di- more difficult defender on him and, and, and Finney Smith. And Fred was able to still capitalize. You know, he had two huge threes in the fourth quarter. He hit a darting layup. And uh, generally speaking, he was competing and he was doing everything he can. But he's just not a takeover kind of closer. So, well, I mean, unless he's going up against Quinn Cook in Game 6 of the NBA Finals, but, you know, whatever. Uh, aside from that, he's not really a takeover type of closer, but, you know, he did everything he could to keep the Raptors in the game, and uh, I respect Fred for it. And then the only other guy I really want to highlight is uh, Matt Thomas, who uh, I want to nickname right now Asian Expectations, because every shot we have, we expect him, honestly, to hit 99% every time. But, uh, yeah, Matt Thomas, man. Um, the Asian expectation, you know, he was four or four to start the game, three or three in the second quarter there where the Raptors, uh, that's probably where they played their best basketball when they beat the Mavericks, um, 38 to 21. Whoa. Wow. I, I guess watching live, I didn't even notice that. Uh, so yeah, obviously that was a massive quarter for the Raptors to win that by 17. And a lot of that was, um, Matt Thomas, the Asian expectation who hit three very impressive shots, you know, uh, one where he came off the screen or he dribbled past his guy and he sort of leaned in. Because the thing is, he's not going to generate much separation from his guy. Like, if he makes a move or whatever, like, defenses are going to close down on you. They're usually bigger than him, more athletic than him, longer than him. So he's not going to get open for very long. Um, but he made the most of it. You know, the first shot he hit, leaning, floating towards the basket, running bank shot from, like, 15 feet. It was a very, very difficult shot. The degree of difficulty on that was very high. Uh, second shot he made, a uh, mid-range shot, uh, dribbled past the three-point arc and got some space, launched it from 20 feet, a hand right in his face, almost blocked the shot, swish. And then third shot, kick out to the corner, defense rotates over. I think it was Kleba. And uh, Thomas sidesteps, takes a dribble, and this has a sidestep, relocation three. Kleber, though, even though he, you know, even though Matt Thomas sidestepped, Kleber was still able to get a hand up, and so it was still contested. Matt Thomas swishes that. And then... I think in the third quarter there, or maybe that was also in the second quarter. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, Matt Thomas rises up for three and also sort of a broken sequence. And Marc Gasol, um, you know, is, is screening for him. Marc Gasol gets run over by Kleba on one of the few times the referees actually called a foul on him. And uh, it was a four-point play. So, you know, Matt Thomas, uh, he has that effect. I mean, last Last episode um, in the in the in the win against the Blazers, where he didn't actually play that well, I think he only shot like one of six. Um, I said, you know, I want to see Matt Thomas aggressively hunt for a shot, even though there are bad shots for everyone else. I want to see uh, an elite shooter take those because when you're an elite shooter, you need the mentality of 
putting pressure on the defense, attacking the defense, regardless of the results. You want your movement, your aggression to make the defense think twice, make the defense overreact, and that's how you create opportunities for everyone else. It's one thing to just hit one open catch-and-shoot jumpers. We know Matt Thomas can do that. We know he's 99% on those. But we also need to see him expand his role because, you know, you're not that effective as a shooter. You're only going to take like three shots a game. So I I like that he's moving around more. And I think it's just he's adapting to the physicality of the NBA. It's a big transition between that versus uh, what he was used to seeing in Europe or in college. Uh, It's just different. Like when you watch highlights of him playing at like Valencia, he's bodying people and creating so much separation just off simple cuts. And that just just doesn't happen in the NBA unless it's like against a lazy defense or whatever. But, you know, it's just not going to consistently work for you in the NBA. You know, defenders are longer, stronger, tougher. They have a physical advantage over Matt Thomas. And so he needs to, you know, again, study a lot of JJ Redick tape, study a lot of I mean, Redick is probably the best guy from the look at because, like, even a guy like Kyle Korver, the, Kyle Korver's like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, like, he can just rise up over a lot of guys. So that's a little bit different. But, you know, I think even guys like JJ, I think guys like Patty Mills, I think guys like um, Marco Bellinelli, like these guys, especially about Bellinelli. Bellinelli doesn't have elite athleticism. You know, he throws down the occasional dunk or whatever. But he doesn't have elite athleticism, but he's so good at – attacking a gap in the defense and then like if he needs to leaning fading floating like just whatever uh, it's hitting shots off balance or seemingly off balance un- uh, you know uh, unorthodox type of movement and uh, still making the shot so I-, I like the Matt Thomas show today and I think he gave the Raptors a boost and I think this is his role like especially when the Raptors are down coming to the game hit a couple shots look for your shots and see if you can get hot and if he's hot Nick Nurse can give you more minutes, and if he's not, you know, maybe we'll try something. I don't know. The, the bench is not very deep right now with all the injuries. So, um, oh yeah, and then the last thing is before I go to three stars is that OG came back. He was solid. He played good defense on um, Doncic in the sense that he got Doncic to move to the spaces that the defense wanted him to go to. Stayed with him for the most part. Got crossed up one time, but everything else, you know, he stayed with him. And if you look at it, Doncic shot. 5 of 14 from the field and had 7 turnovers. So, you know, it was obviously... Doncic also had 19 free throw attempts, like a James Harden-esque performance. Uh, so, that balanced it out. But, I mean, you know, OG blocked Doncic. Uh, OG played some pretty good defense. Offensively, OG wasn't as assertive as I necessarily uh, want him to be. Uh, we've seen him, especially... You know, that game against the Kings, that game against the Pelicans. OG was just really, really looking for his offense. And so, it was really a shame that... um you know, that, that that Kawhi swipe, you know, knocked him off his rhythm a little bit. But, you know, for the most part, I, I thought uh, OG was solid. And, uh, you know, it's, hopefully he doesn't miss a beat because he is a very important player. I, I do want to see thing, him sort of expand his role. Um, you know, today, for example, he had a uh, hard driving layup into Luka Doncic, which I, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, and he finished the layup, so... You know, more of that, more of that from OG. But uh, obviously, first came back from injury, not seeing him uh, at full rhythm. But uh, hopefully, he does get back into rhythm. So your three stars, as you could probably could have guessed, number one, Norman Powell, twenty six points, six rebounds, and assist a steal in thirty two minutes. Nine of fifteen shooting from the field, six of eight from deep, two of three from the free throw line. I love that, Norm. Please, I love when you play like Kobe instead of playing like Juan Dixon. Just keep doing that. Don't go back to the Juan Dixon performances. I don't want to see a one for seven tomorrow I, I, or. Or Monday against uh, the the Hornets, or I think. Don't don't give me a one to seven next game. All right, please just stay. Not even twenty six points, but give you know maybe like twelve, maybe like thirteen. Kind of stay around that area. Uh, I would love it. 
Number two, starting going up to Fred Van Leet, 24 points, five rebounds, seven assists, a steal, eight of 18 shooting from the field, four of 11 from deep, four of four from the free throw line, made a lot of great uh, plays all around, really stepped up for the Raptors when they needed some leadership. And, you know, he didn't get it. He didn't close the deal, but uh, I, I was... I'm pretty happy with this performance. And then third side, I'm going to have to, you know, Matt Thomas, the Asian expectation, 10 points off the bench, three rebounds, uh, plus 12 in 17 minutes. Give the Raptors a boost in the second quarter there. And, um, and yeah, uh, in terms of the, uh, the Gerald Henderson award, I'm giving that to, uh, DeLon Wright, my guy, long, long, uh, 15 points, uh, four rebounds and assists, three steals in 19 minutes off the bench, shot six of eight from the field. I mean, I'm not surprised. I don't. I don't want to disrespect Delon at all with this uh, Gerald Henderson Award nomination because I know what he can do. I know uh, what he has, uh, you know, provided for the Raptors in previous seasons. Um, you know, this is what he's capable of as a bench guy, especially when he's motivated to come in. You know, hustle. Uh, you know, just create uh, for others, and that's what he did tonight. A putback. You know, a three. Uh, you know, stealing an inbound, you know, some transition plays. That's the lawn for you. That's the lawn. Uh, you know, he's a he's a very nice bench piece. Doesn't obviously do this all all the time, but when he does, it's a huge boost for the team. This actually reminded me a lot of uh, what Delon did in the Wizards series, which I really appreciated back in 2018. You know, whatever first round series, but like Delon had a lot of great games like this. Um, you know, that play where <laughs> that time where he got into it with. Uh, What's his name? Kelly Oubre and got the last laugh at blocking Oubre. Like, you know, I got a lot of positive DeLon Wright moments. So uh, I look forward to when DeLon returns to the Raptors, uh, you know, when the Mavericks are in Toronto. I We don't know if DeLon will get a championship ring. I hope he does because he was on the team last year for a significant portion of it, too. And, you know, it's unfortunate that DeLon couldn't reach a contract agreement with the Raptors. You know, they talked extension last year. Couldn't get one done, but uh, I'm happy he got paid in Dallas. Uh, that's sort of, uh, I mean, it's weird because he was Dallas's kind of second choice because Dallas wanted Danny Green, but Danny Green chose the Lakers uh, after Kawhi chose not the Raptors, and, uh, you know, that still hurts. But, uh, but yeah, you know, da- you know, Dallas is not a bad spot for Delonta Landon as a backup point guard on a team that should be challenging for the playoffs, although they've been underperforming a little bit. Um, you know, it's not bad, so... That does it for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to KFC for sponsoring the show. And, uh, again, as a reminder, um, the show is uh, available on YouTube this year. The last one hit uh, – the last episode against Portland hit 10,000 views. So that's excellent. That's excellent. I look forward to the program growing. Thank you thank you to everyone for supporting the show, for, for watching the show. Uh, and, yeah, I look forward to uh, the program growing. I appreciate all the love. And I'll talk to you on Monday when the Raptors get back to their winning ways. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.